Welcome to The Mom Job. I'm your host, Stephanie Faldmo, and we're going to talk about the ups, downs, and upside downs of motherhood. So my dear friend, Becca Mia is here. Hi, Becca. Hey. <laughs> she is pretty much one of the coolest Canadians you'll ever meet. <laughs> and I forgot to tell you, this is probably going to get cut out, but I forgot to tell you. <laughs> Maybe not. Um, I forgot to tell you, you know that new restaurant that opened in town? They have poutine. Right around no the way. I don't know if it's the real thing, but I think that you need to try it and tell Girls me. Night. I had it. Gonna... Oh, you want to go tonight? Yeah. Uh, I think we might be doing that. Okay. Because it's Let's like gravy it. and cheese curds. Is that what it yeah, is? Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Oh my gosh, it, it was so good. Was it? I'm excited. Like, mm, so <laughs> okay, we're going. Okay. <laughs> I might not cut that out because it's necessary. People know <laughs> that I've been wanting to try poutine forever and... Okay, I have to go with a real Canadian, so we might be yes. doing this after our interview. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> so, Becca and I met because we were neighbors, actually, and we moved in and lived next to each other in our little apartments, townhouses, I guess. <laughs> and it was a blast. And it was so fun. I really miss you, like, now <laughs> being home. It's like, and it's weird not having a neighbor right next to me now. I'm I like, know. Oh, I need flour. Oh, I well. know, right? <laughs> Except for, I never had flour. <laughs> you never had flour. You always had butter and eggs. I no, always I know. That. I just felt like every Every time we needed something from each other, we're like, no, I don't, I don't have it. I don't have it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I know. But then I'd always like bring you cookies today. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but we had fun. Um, yeah. And our kiddos kind of like grew up a little bit with each other because, well, you're, how old was William when we moved in? Oh, he was, he had just turned a year old. Yeah, I think. Right. And okay. you were quite pregnant. Yeah, I was quite pregnant and then had my little one and Callie, you watched Callie all the time and mm-hmm. she loves you. Love so. little Callie. So her husband's name is Steven, and her two adorable kids are William and Adeline, and I love them. So how old are they now? William is three, and Adeline is almost 10 months. No, she's not. Yeah. That's crazy. Oh my gosh. They are so cute. Um, I feel like I might have to share your Instagram handle just so people can stalk your kids. But Absolutely. (laughs) So... Okay, so then you met Steven actually in high school, right? Yes. Okay, we share were, your story we with us. We were in a band class together, and we went on a little band trip, and that's where I met him. Like, I knew he was in the class, but I had never, ever spoke to him. <laughs> and one day we were just sitting together, and we started talking, and then... Um, A few days later, we started dating. It was actually May 18th, so that was, like, yesterday was our our nine-year anniversary of, like, boyfriend, girlfriend, like... (laughs) How old were you? Being an item. I had just turned 16, and he had just turned 17. Aw, high school tweeters. I know. Wasn't he kind of rebellious a little bit? Yeah, like like long shaggy hair. (laughs) And then later on, he had like a goatee and just like... Yeah, kind of dressed like a punk. and I remember the goatee picture fondly when you showed us. Yeah. I was like, oh my gosh, that yeah. goatee. Mm-hmm. So cute. So you've been together for nine years now. Yeah. Which is, that's crazy. And like been through a lot. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like now that I look back at it, it's kind of like we grew up together in a mm-hmm. way. Like we were, we were kids, mm-hmm. you know, when we first met and. I think that's really cool because you don't hear a lot of people meeting at 16, 17 and staying together or coming mm-hmm. back together or whatever. Yeah. Um, so that's really cool. And so you got married. When did you get married? We got married in 2013, 2013. Um, okay. when we were 20 and 21. Same as us. 2013 marriage. <laughs> yeah. So it's been five years now that we've been married. So when did you decide to start having kids in this marriage? <laughs> um. Well... 
That's a really good question. <laughs> I mean, we had been together for long enough and it was always a dream of ours to have like kids. Even in high school, we talked mm-hmm. about like our future kids all the time. <laughs> and Steven just was looking forward to being a dad for so long. And as soon as we got married, we were just kind of like, we wanted to have kids. Mm-hmm. Like we, we knew we wanted to, but it just didn't really seem like the right time because we were both in school and like just being Canadian and living down in the States, we didn't know how healthcare was gonna work. And then it just happened. We got pregnant and- (laughs) Surprise! Yeah, and we, I mean, and then our family was started and we were thrilled. We were Mm -hmm. so excited, even though like the timing wasn't like the most optimal, but it never is. Like there's never a perfect time you know, there's always reasons to put it off, but it happened and we were so excited. Well, I'm glad you did because William's adorable. <laughs> yes. It's cool how it just happens sometimes, like you said, because like mm-hmm. we think, oh, we'll just wait till it's perfect timing, but literally yeah. never, ever perfect timing. So yeah, I completely agree with that. When William was born, so we're kind of going to talk about a little bit about his birth and kind of what happened when he was born. So do you want to share that story with us? Sure. So it was a really rough pregnancy. And at the end, um, I was in the hospital almost every day with high blood pressure. And they had given me a specific number and they had said, like, if it gets above such and such numbers, you need to just come in and have the baby immediately. And um, I had an induction date and I ended up going in four days prior just to one of my prenatal appointments and my doctor just sent me over to the hospital and said like go and just have the baby right now I was a little unprepared I lived an hour away from the hospital so I didn't have my hospital bag with me or I did but it only had like a change of clothes in it and so I was a little unprepared but we went over and um we just started the induction process and then I didn't go into labor until the the next day and so You know, I was doing really, really good through my contractions and then they wanted to give me a dose of morphine and I remember saying like, I don't really want one because it makes me really hazy. And I ended up getting it, and then it gets really, really hazy for me. After that, I really wasn't handling the contractions well, so I got the epidural, and I fell asleep for hours until they woke me up and they said, it's time to push. We were all in position, you know, to to get ready to start pushing, and then, like, one of the nurses was like, I don't really know if she's ready yet. Like, it kind of looks like she's at, like, an 8, not a 10, and, like, the nurse was like, no, she's at a 10, and they were kind of arguing and I was just kind of like are we doing this are we not doing this like I started pushing and pushing and you know about 15 20 minutes went by and we realized like that like I really wasn't pushing the way I needed to be and so you know they they were trying everything they were trying like flipping me over and putting up a bar and you know everything that you can do when you're pushing and Nothing was happening, and it was probably an hour or so where I was, you know, supposedly fully dilated, and nothing was happening. Like, let's get this going. And then the doctor came in. They were all kind of panicking because the baby wasn't, you know, ready to come out. And the doctor had come in, and they were kind of like, she's not ready, but they didn't want to say anything because this doctor, you could kind of tell the nurses were a bit scared of him. Mm. And... 
they were in charge of getting the baby to the point where the doctor had to come in and take the baby out. But he had come in early when the baby was not ready to come. And so he was kind of frustrated. He was kind of barking at the nurses and like he he just seemed so agitated. He was not my doctor. He was just on call. And so, um, you know, I didn't I didn't know his limits. He didn't know mine. Um, we had no plan together. He starts, you know, telling me to push and tries to get me into some different positions. And then he's like, you know, let's try forceps. And he couldn't get them in. And then um, let's try the vacuum. And he tried the vacuum. And and that's kind of when things went south. You know, his agitation went from being like a little bit snippy to like, like, furious and I guess scared would be my guess my best guess um because at the time I had no idea what was happening but I just saw him pulling you know with the vacuum and I remember just like saying like how is it going you know like what's happening and and the doctor kind of like tried to calm down and he's like oh um you know, your baby's coming out. And then I said, oh, does he have dark hair? And like such a random little question. (laughs) And he said, yeah, it looks like he's got some dark hair. And he said, but like, I see the head, like I'm like the head's here. And so I said, okay. And so, um, anyway, he goes back to pulling again and like with the vacuum and, and then he said that he needed something from one of the nurses And, um, the nurse passed him something that wasn't right, Mm -hmm. like the wrong tool or something. And he screamed at her and he's like, where did you go to school? Or he said something like that. He's, he insulted her education, told her that she had no right to be in the delivery room. And that was, um, a little alarming to me, (laughs) You know, that he was just getting so angry at the nurses. And, um, you know, I could tell, even though he had calmed down for that moment to, like, talk to me, that something was, like, he was, you know, and this was all happening so quickly. Right. So, so quickly, you know. Like, that question was just, like, a quickly, like, how's it going? Is he okay? And then, like, he's like, yeah, sure. And then, anyway, I felt, like, a little, like, pop, Mm -hmm. I guess, or something. And, And then... He started yelling. He started yelling and he 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 said something about like get in this maneuver and he was yelling at all the nurses and he started pulling on like I so the head was born. He had told me that the head was born and I could see him yanking on the baby's head and um and then him and the nurses, they pulled me halfway off the table. So it was just like my back on the table and they had thrown my legs up by my face Mm. and like, had like basically bent me in half. And then I had one nurse jump on top of me and she stuck her elbow, um, above my abdomen and they all started doing this maneuver, whatever they were doing. And And they were all yelling. They were all yelling at each other. And it just, it went from, like, one moment of, like, pushing a baby out to, like, 
like an emergency situation mm-hmm. of like when he was like, okay, we got to get into this maneuver. And then he was, he was yelling the entire time. And at this point I started crying and I kind of, I, you know, I was scared. I was, I was so, so scared. I had no idea why any of this was happening. I could see him yanking and I, you know, I've seen enough births to know that you don't yank on a baby's mm-hmm. head like that. And, um, and to typically know that nurses don't jump on you with their elbows going into mm-hmm. your abdomen. Cause she was, what the nurse was doing was she was just trying to push the baby, give the baby an extra push from above, which is extremely painful to a mother. So it's not typically done. And, um, and I, yeah, anyway, the doctor then told me to be quiet. He, he, he was yelling at all the nurses and then he started yelling at me. He was directing everything towards me and that, that I wasn't doing something properly and that I was causing the problem. That's what I felt like he was insinuating at the time when he was kind of yelling at me and um, and just told me to be quiet and just like, and that he would have to cut me open or something if I didn't settle down. And I just, I was so, and so I tried to like calm down and eventually they got the baby out and like, as it was all kind of happening, it just, it was all kind of surreal because like, you know, one moment I was pushing the baby out and then another, you know, they're all screaming and they were jumping on top of me and then the baby was out and I was, I was kind of like in a daze, I guess, like, and it wasn't like that moment when the baby comes out and everyone's like, oh, you know, like the baby's here, Mm -hmm. you know, like congratulations. It was just kind of like, they just like whisked him away and I said, oh, well, like they held him up and I remember reaching down and like like touching him for like a second and then they ran off and then I remember Steven ran after the baby and I was just kind of like sitting there at that point the room was kind of empty it was just me a nurse and the doctor you know as he was finishing with me and um and I had heard something along the lines of like something like they said like oh the baby's arm isn't moving and that's all I had heard and, um, and anyway, I just kind of, I don't, I don't know, like, I was just kind of, like, sitting there, you know, in that funny days, and, like, the baby was long gone, they had taken him off to the NICU, I believe, and my mom, my dad, and my husband were all with the baby at that point, so I wasn't with anybody, um, they came, they put the baby in my arms, and I said, like, well, what's going on? And they said, well, um, one of his arms isn't responding to any stimulation. And I said, like, what does that mean? And they're like, oh, he just got a little stuck coming out. Sometimes that happens. They get a little stunned. And I was like, okay. Um, they're like, just be careful. Like, it's a little bit injured. And I was like, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it's a little injured. Like, is he hurt? And, um, and then at some point the doctor came back and he said, so yeah, there was, um, a little bit of shoulder dystocia and, um, it should heal soon, you know, should heal soon. And I was like, well, what, what does, what do you mean? He said, well, like maybe like in six weeks or so. And I said, like, are you kidding? In six weeks? Like what, what's wrong with my baby? And he was like you know what don't even worry about it at this point we realized that his right side was paralyzed from um 
from his neck down, but it, well, I mean, all the way from his eye. We could tell that his eye was affected, his right eye, all the way down to about his hip was not responding to any stimulation. A day or two later, I had a nurse come in and she sat down and she said to me, this doesn't look normal to me. This doesn't happen all the time. And I've called a pediatrician. I hope that's okay with you, but I've called a pediatrician to come look at your baby. And that pediatrician came in and she said, "Um, your baby has something called Herb's palsy. And I, like, that, it made me just stop in my tracks. I'd never heard of Herb's palsy, but mm-hmm. obviously I've heard of cerebral palsy and, you know, how serious of a condition that is. And I thought, like, this is a lot bigger mm-hmm. than what I had initially mm-hmm. been told. What steps did you take after that to, like, what kind of happened after you found out he had Herb's palsy? It wasn't until we were out of the hospital that I was on my phone and I decided to Google it. Mm-hmm. And um, the first thing that came up was like lawsuit, lawsuit, mm-hmm. lawsuit, lawyer, herbs palsy lawyer, birth injury lawyer, birth trauma lawyer, um, like just lawsuit after lawsuit. And I and like I was truly confused. Because, like, here I was looking up a medical condition and every result was lawyer. And one of my first thoughts as well was, there must be an online community. I was in this mom group on Facebook. It was the Saturday after. So I gave birth on a Wednesday and then it was a Saturday. And, like, this is a huge part of the story with William. But I was just scrolling through Facebook on this mom group and one mom said, like... Has anybody had any um, serious complications with a vaginal birth? One mom had said, yes, my son was born with with a brachial plexus injury. And it's called Herb's palsy caused by a shoulder dystocia. A light turned on because there was someone else that had someone with herbs palsy a few minutes later she actually commented on my comment Mm -hmm. and said like and because i had said in my comment like oh i gave birth on wednesday Mm -hmm. so she knew it was pretty fresh and she said hey um do you want to message me i i know what you're going through right now she just was like what do you want to know and i just asked her so many i had so many questions Mm -hmm. for her and um the answers that she provided me were were so relieving and so heartbreaking mm-hmm. when realizing that um, if my son truly did have herbs palsy, that it was truly a, a major condition. I was able at that point to learn that my son had a brachial plexus injury. The mm-hmm. brachial plexus is the group of nerves that starts in your spinal cord and goes down your shoulder and down to your fingers. And and it happens when babies get stuck and the nerves in their shoulder or in their spinal cord get stretched, which causes paralysis. Mm-hmm. Well, I do think it's interesting that First of all, they didn't give you the right direction from the beginning of what to expect. And they weren't like, you know, they weren't 
giving you the right information right off the bat, which is frustrating to hear. But it is a blessing too that we have resources where you can reach out to other moms and have mm-hmm. that. Like you said, like you wanted to reach out to her so bad, but she reached out to you instead. And yeah. therefore, like you built this relationship with her and she gave you hope for like, okay, like hope, but also obviously like sadness too to know that it's more than what they made it out to be yeah but but that she was like you know I can tell you whatever you need to know and so that was definitely a blessing and so after you found out exactly what herbs palsy was from her and kind of researched it more and obviously met with healthcare professionals what kind of what kind of steps did you take with William to get him to where he's at now it was frustrating because there was no path to take there was no set guidelines mm-hmm. for for babies that had this injury this friend that I had met online you know this mother she was down um down in the states at the time that I was in Canada so it wasn't like I could just ask her mm-hmm. you know which doctor she went mm-hmm. to um in Canada, we had a couple resources. We went up to a clinic that was two hours away um, from us that specialized um, in these types of nerve injuries. I remember one time going up to that clinic that was two hours away and the doctor just saying, like, he's not making the progress. He's not making any progress. Like, William is not making the progress that he needs to to, um, to not have intervention. It was so hard to hear that he needed to have surgery. So, um, with surgery, what ages did he get surgery? Well, initially, they wanted to give him surgery at eight months old. Mm-hmm. And um, and this was up in Canada mm-hmm. with this doctor that we were seeing up in Canada. And he wanted to be very, very aggressive. The second I heard it, I knew it wasn't the right plan Mm -hmm. it just it it didn't sit well with me it sounded very it sounded more damaging to me what ended up happening in the long run is we ended up stop seeing like we stopped seeing that doctor um I did my research I found a doctor in Philadelphia and we ended up going to Philadelphia he did get a surgery um at 11 months old Mm -hmm. and um it was a much less invasive surgery it was unsuccessful the Mm -hmm. first surgery and um that was another huge blow then he got the big surgery when he was 14 months old i believe Mm -hmm. it was a very very hard surgery and um we had to do rehabilitation out in philadelphia and then after that is when we saw the most progress, the most mobility, the most um, ability. Mm -hmm. And just he he excelled phenomenally Mm -hmm. after that second surgery when he was 14 months old. That was the first thing I learned about you was like that you were going to Philadelphia and doing this for your son. I was like, I had no idea. And um, but what I remember about William, and this is just to give people listening a little idea of how cheerful her son is yeah. I remember he was so little and he had to have this little cast so his arm was kind of like straight out and mm-hmm. you know kind of sticking out and um it was just up like that for a long time but I remember he was always like happy and just like doing everything still even though he had this injury and recovery process like he was just always smiling I remember and just happy and I was just like 
what an awesome little dude, like, to have to go through this, but he's just still so, like, cheerful, and I feel like as the mom, too, like, you were just so strong to have to watch him go through this, but you knew it had to be done, and you mm-hmm. did the right thing for your son, and and it's awesome to know that, like, the second surgery was good, and now, so now it's been a couple years, and he's just been doing therapies, right? Yeah, it's been... It's been a straight road up. Yeah, I mean, looking at him now, you might not even notice that yeah. he has a disability. Yeah. And, you know, when he was born, it was very obvious. Mm-hmm. Truly, I feel like it was harder on Stephen and I than it was on him as a baby. You know, he just, he went with the flow. That's always been William. And like you said, now you can't even tell. Like, he's just, you know, he's just happy and just he uses both arms and mm-hmm. like I mean it's just awesome I feel like that gives hope hopefully to anyone listening that might have physical disabilities with their children like they can have hope to know it can get better you know and sometimes it gets worse or harder like you said the surgery didn't work the first time but that there's hope like that it's working out for him and like you said even though he's gonna have this lifelong disability he's working through it and he's not letting it Mm -hmm. you know stop him from doing anything i mean you would never know he just is unstoppable he is your typical three-year-old boy (laughs) for sure yep but then you know now it's been a few years and you expanded your family so you have little addy Mm -hmm. so what was that like adding addy to the mixture of all this having her was such a healing experience for me and it really it kind of made things whole Mm -hmm. because she her birth was seamless you know and it was you know we got that moment of when the baby came out and everyone in the room was like oh she's here Mm -hmm. you know and um got to see her for a minute she also was whisked away because I had her early but then um it was a wonderful, what's the word I'm looking for? It was like the wonderful second chapter mm-hmm. to a story. With having Addie, you obviously like, I mean, you knew you wanted more kids, right? And so mm-hmm. how were you able to be positive about getting pregnant again? And Because after that, I can imagine you had a lot of like, it was a little bit scary, I'm sure, to like know that you're going to have another one after dealing with so much trauma with the first. Yeah. So how did you like know, okay, I'm ready. I'm going to do this. Like, how'd you find that strength? So that was, that was, I think that was one of the hardest parts because after I had William, I, I just said like, I never, ever want to do this again. There was nothing about pregnancy or labor or birth that I wanted to revisit. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I had always known that I wanted more kids and, um, and we just, we really wanted to do it. I also, you know, just because of my health problems, it was, you know, the doctors were kind of telling me, you know, now's the time. Mm -hmm. If you want another baby anytime Mm -hmm. soon, now's, now's the time. And it was, it was terrifying. It was scary. It was so, so scary to just make that leap, but we did it and we got pregnant right away and, um... And it was scary, but I mean, the second I walked into the doctor's office, I said, um, like, I'm pregnant, but I'm getting a C-section this time. Mm -hmm. And I told the doctor, like, I need you. This is a completely new doctor now. Um, We were down here in the States for my second pregnancy, and I said to the doctor, like, I need it to be you. I cannot have anybody on call. You know, we need to schedule this out, so you're the one doing it, and I need us to go through every single step and we talked about the birth plan like almost at every appointment we talked about it 
so many times and we we were like a well-oiled machine by the end Mm -hmm. like we knew what we were going to do and I was on board with absolutely everything I knew exactly what was going to happen when it was going to happen the doctor knew my circumstance so he knew how to um just reassure me and just know my limits I knew his limits um and that was that was a must this time around it's so amazing to like know that you I mean you went into it knowing exactly how you wanted it to be done this time Mm -hmm. and you were confident in yourself like that you could handle it and that's what I think is amazing about like us as women deciding to be moms and having kids and just like we go through so much on Mm -hmm. so many different levels even if you have a healthy pregnancy for the nine months and then you give birth and the birth is fine like that is just it's just so crazy what we go through in even in that nine months like oh my gosh like it's just nuts and so even just knowing that you've dealt with a difficult birth but you came out of it and then after you were able to like you said take care of yourself and overcome that and start healing then you're like okay I'm ready to take on new one but it's not like it took you 10 years like you were just like Mm -hmm. okay like I know we're adding to our family and with your your own health problems you were like I gotta do it now and you just did it and like that's so selfless like you're a selfless person just from the beginning but that's just I mean that's just amazing so you had help from a mom when you were going through your struggles and I Mm -hmm. hope that you can help a mom if they're going through their struggles and possibly listening to this or maybe they don't know that they're going to go through this struggle yet with their kid or something so um what would you share with other moms that have children with physical disabilities just to like just take it one step at a time and be hopeful about it because um there are ups and downs but focus on the ups like focus on when you like focus on the successes because mm-hmm. um even the smallest success for a children a child with a disability is it's phenomenal to see i love that and i'm gonna even write this down <laughs> so i ask three questions every time i close off my podcast so my first question is what is the hardest part of the mom job being consistent mm-hmm. <laughs> i want to say okay. <laughs> um because some days you can be the best mom, yeah. you know, and it happens and or, you know, you can be the best version of yourself that you want to be. And then other days you can't, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that's that's the hardest part for me is just trying to just keep it good all the time <laughs> that's impossible so I, I think everyone I just, every mom is like yes like I wish but I know what you mean like I wish I could just be like the mom like there was a day this week where I did something with Callie the whole day I like took her to do something and I went to the park I did all these things she went to nap and napped for exactly two hours like everything was perfect mm-hmm. and the next day it was like how many movies are we gonna watch today like I exactly. can't stop watching TV. like so the second question is what is the best part of the mom job I think that's just the love that comes. Mm -hmm. Your heart expands a hundredfold, you know, when you have a baby or two Mm -hmm. babies or three babies, you know, your heart just multiplies and your life is so full of love. Mm -hmm. And that is the best part. You don't get the same love from anyone else besides your children and you don't give the same love to anyone else to your children. Like, 
your spouse and you have love, but that's a it's choice, different. right? Yeah, like you have exactly. a choice to love other people with your kids. There is no choice. It's no. just like a law of nature. There is no other way. Mm-hmm. Even if we like hate each other one day, you still love each other. Like exactly. I'm hoping that when we have teenage girls, <laughs> we'll have to remind each other when our girls are one teenagers. day at a time. Remember, <laughs> <laughs> remember when we did the podcast and you said that they'll always love me. Remind me because they said they hated me. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I love that though. That's so true. Uh, okay. So last question is, what is a piece of advice you have for other moms, future moms, or women in general? There is nothing that prepares you. There's absolutely nothing that prepares you. You can prepare for almost anything in life. But motherhood is not something that can be taught to anybody. Because every single mother is so different and every single mother goes through trials no matter what, but there is just no preparation for it. And that's just part of life and that we're all going through it. All of us are struggling through motherhood and just that there's no easy way to prepare for it. And that's okay. It's okay to be unprepared. I love that because I am definitely a planner, but like it's kind of ironic that even as a planner, I did not plan like anything for having my daughter. So I didn't go to like any classes. I maybe watched half of a YouTube video about labor and that was it. But all my other friends were like, oh, I went to classes. See, and, this stuff. and that's, and I was I like, prepared. I'm fine. See, yeah. I prepared and yeah. I, I, all that preparation was, I, I want to say it was all in vain because mm-hmm. I didn't use any of it. And everything <laughs> I did, like I said earlier, like I was building this path on my own yeah you know I was I was walking this path that was new mm-hmm. you know and we all so. learn as we go as mothers like mm-hmm. every we learn every day like what we should and shouldn't do in our own family like we make our own choices for our children but it's like we learn every day it's a new thing every day mm-hmm. and that's just how mother and no is. one has the exact same circumstances no. you know like even you know like, there is no two mom and child that are the same. Yeah, and, exactly. And, like, every single case of motherhood is different. So there's mm-hmm. just, there's no way to prepare for it. Yeah, I agree. Well, Becca, it was so fun to talk to you. And I'm like so us. glad I could have you on. Thanks to you guys for listening. Um, Becca and I are going to go eat some poutine, I think. Yes. <laughs> are you ready to have some poutine? Yes, I then am. I'll, I wish I could come back and tell you guys if it's actual real poutine or not. But we'll, <laughs> we'll just have to leave you hanging on that. Um, don't forget to follow us at The Mom Job on Instagram and subscribe to our podcast. We'll have new episodes every Monday and new moms to chat with. And every time I just go away, like, I'm going to be a better mom today. So thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.